0: Hey, the kids are released at this point to go to their respective places. Uh, preschool, kindergarten, right over here. I don't see anybody there, but I'm sure someone's going to take care of them. First through sixth grade, follow Jane. And then middle school, high schoolers are going to follow this guy with his "pain is your gain" t-shirt. Good t-shirt, Jim. And uh, really good stuff. You guys turn to Acts chapter 2. So, last few years, we've been uh, really encouraging everybody to get on the trail, and it, the trail is this. You've seen the mural in the fo- in the foyer. It looks like this. Okay, it's out there. And last week, we actually handed out these little cards with the trail, out, and there's some out there if you want to take one home and put it on your fridge. And uh, and the idea here is that. Uh, And what's really cool about the trail is While you'll experience God and reflect Christ at the end of the trail You will definitely Begin to experience God and reflect Christ at the very beginning at the trailhead You'll experience God and reflect Christ all along the way And then especially at the end And so But to experience God and reflect Christ We need to cross some of these spiritual milestones Like just show up Last week we talked about the trailhead Hey, we gotta just show up do that. And then uh, today we're going to talk about another milestone. And so we're going to talk about the friends path. And this is where we make friends. We build relationships. We get to know each other as a body. It's not just me and God. It's me and God and us. And so this is a big thing. It's essential. Many people don't understand that one of the biggest ways God works in our life and transforms us is not just one-on-one. I wish it were that way because I'm kind of an introvert, but it's through each other. It's through each other. Man, God had to really work hard to get me to open up to have a kind of relationship with you guys and other people outside the church. That changes me, okay? And I need that. We need that. And so this is huge. We need to get on the friend's path. In this series of messages, we are challenging ourselves become an axe to church, Read about it in Acts 2. We're in Acts 2. We want to become an Acts 2 church. And if we're going to do that, we are going to need to learn how to get on the friends path. Because whatever these people were in Acts 2, they were friends. They had this thing called fellowship. Mike talked about it just a little bit ago. And uh, let's take a look. It's in verse. We start in verse 42. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer. We're going to be coming back to this verse in numerous messages, but what we want to focus on today is how they were devoted to the fellowship. They didn't just show up for a performance. They showed up for each other. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another as above, uh, one other above yourselves. These people were doing this. They were devoted to each other, they cared about each other. Uh, the, I don't come to church just for me. I come for you. Okay? Actually, if there was time, it was just me, there's times I wouldn't come. I'm serious. I'm not that spiritual. You might think pastors got it all together. No, we're not. There's time I don't need, but I go, no, they'd miss me. <laughs> Someone would, or I need them. I come for you, and hopefully you come for others. When, I, when we are absent, Everybody feels it. We come for each other. We need each other. Be devoted to one another. And the, the biblical word for fellowship here comes from the Greek word koinonia. And this is more than just hanging out together like at Starbucks or at a pub, okay? Now it can mean that, but it means close, intimate spiritual relationship to one another in Christ. These people were bonded to each other. This is more clearly seen in verses 44 through 46 of Acts chapter 2. This is what it says. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together. In the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Man, I mean, they met together all the time, not just weekly, but every day. That kind of blows my mind. They had everything in common. They shared everything. They were communal, but they were not a commune. Okay? Everybody had ownership of their own stuff. But the thing was, when they saw a need, they'd go sell some of their stuff off to meet that need. That's pretty radical. That's how close they were. That's how much they cared about each other. Um, they were a family. They met together in their homes. They ate, and we talk about home groups. This is what we're after. They shared meals together. They even took communion together in their homes. They didn't just wait for church. They did it whenever they met. And you see, if we're going to become an Acts 2 church, we need to up our game a little bit on this fellowship thing. We need to get serious about the friend's path. Now, what we see here in Acts is what the fellowship looked like, the friend's path looked like from the outside. This is what people saw when they looked at the church. And I kind of want to go on the inside. To get on the inside, to look at what fellowship looks on the inside, we got to go to some other Bible passages. So we're going to look at a whole bunch of other passages in the New Testament. We call them one another passages or each other passages. Passages that teach us how we're supposed to relate in fellowship. So let's start. First, there's Romans sixteen sixteen. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 1 Corinthians 16, 20, greet one another with a holy kiss. 2 Corinthians 13, 12, greet one another with a holy kiss. 1 Peter changes it up a little bit. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Now you're going, okay, preacher, where are you going with this? You know, it's like, you know. Now, I'm not suggesting we start kissing one another, okay? I love Mike, but I don't think I love Mike that much. Oh, thank you. Yes, see. So, you know, we're cool here, right? And so, you know... So that's not what this is about. Realize though that in that day, in that culture, in that part of the world, it was socially acceptable and customary to greet one another with a kiss on the cheek. Cultures still do that today and it's okay, but we don't do it, okay? We don't do it. And so, but the idea of this passage is not so much on the form of greeting, it's the greeting and the meaning of the greeting. We're to greet one another. And what I take, it means we're to be friendly. We are to be friendly with each other. And, uh, and that's what it is. We may not kiss each other, but we can shake hands. We can fist bump, elbow bump. We can hug each other. We got some huggers in this church. You know, we got that. And, and there's all, you can do all sorts of things to say hello and make people feel welcome. And so, but it's surprising. You know, at very least, you can smile and say hello. I mean, at very least. It's surprising how many Christians and churches don't even do that. Okay, how many of you ever been to an unfriendly church? Have any of you ever experienced an unfriendly church? It's like, what's going on here? So Lisa and I, we planted a church down in California years ago, and when we were ramping up for that, we had like six months where we were visiting all the churches to see what other churches were doing. Growing churches, dead churches, new churches, old churches. And so we learned a lot, and I, I was amazed at how many churches weren't friendly we went to one church where we entered and we left and in the whole period not a single person acknowledged our presence it's like we were a non-existence we at least I walked out like did anybody say anything to you no it was weird now i gotta say you guys get kudos we are, we're maybe you're not perfect, but we're pretty friendly. It's hard for anybody to come in here and get out of here without being said hello to. It just is. Sometimes we overdo it. I have to go say, hey guys, you know, these? some people don't want all the attention. Some visitors will come in. They'll sneak in right when church starts, and then they'll leave just as church ends because they don't want the attention. So be sensitive, but you guys do pretty good. But just realize we want to make people feel welcome. We want to be friendly. And so, you know, we have that. But it's more than just saying hello. It's connecting with people. It's going the next step. And that brings us to another one. Romans 15, 7 says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So, to be an Acts 2 church, we need to be accepting. And see, another quality in the Acts 2 church people is they accept each other, especially those who were different. There are all kinds of people in this kind of church. And it also means... We accept each other as sinners. We accept sinners here. like, because we all are. Okay? That's just how that rolls. And, uh, and so, Matthew 9, Jesus says this. He says, It's not the healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So, kind of one of the qualifications for being a member here, you gotta be a sinner. Okay? So, if you're not a sinner, I'm sorry. You can't be here, all right. I'm just saying. What's really cool is if you're not a sinner, you wouldn't want to be here because we're a bunch of crazy people. So you know, overly righteous people always feel uncomfortable here. So that's okay with me. But that's one of the things we we accept each other as sinners, and um, and so we all are, and we accept each other even when we irritate each other sometimes. Have you ever been irritated with someone at church? Okay, don't raise hands because we know it's due. And I can be irritating. Just ask my wife. And, uh, and so this is why we, we wrong each other and we have to get over that. There's acceptance that comes into play here Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 says be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you Colossians 3 says bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another forgive as the Lord forgave you just as I'm forgiven I need to forgive you, give you. just as Jesus accepted me I need to accept you and people need to come in here and experience that acceptance you know in our body language in our facial features in how we treat them. It just needs to be there. Okay? Are we there yet? Are you there yet? You know, be accepting. It's, it's where we need to go. But acceptance paves the way for another characteristic of biblical fellowship. Ephesians 4.25 says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So to have an Acts 2 fellowship, we need to be honest and truthful with each other. Okay? Be truthful. Colossians 3 says, do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self and have put on the new self. And what this means is that since we accept each other, we can be honest and truthful about ourselves. Nothing worse than coming to church and not feeling like you can be honest. I mean, it's a, it's a it's pandemic in our churches. We don't really want anybody to know because we're afraid we're going to get rejected. As the pastor, I know a lot of your guys' stories, and I'll just go on record saying, there probably isn't anything you've done that someone else hasn't done in this church body. We we got it covered, guys, in so many ways. But there has to be the point where we cross over into truthful sharing of our hearts with somebody. Now, it may not happen, like Mike says, in the large group, but it can happen one-on-one, and it can happen in small groups, and that's what we're hoping to see happen in the future. And so Ephesians, you know, uh, excuse me, James 5.16 actually takes it this far. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. And so fellowship is where this can happen. Can you imagine confessing your sins? The fellowship God wants to have and fellowship we need happens when we take off our masks and become truthful with one another. And here's what's cool. As we get honest and truthful with each other, something else can happen that's part of biblical fellowship. We can offer each other genuine encouragement. As I really know what's going on with Mike, and Mike really knows what's going on with me, and we both really know, we really do what's going on with each other, we encourage each other all the time. But we have to be honest. I have to tell Mike, this is what's really going on with me. And on the meetings we go to, in our, in our recovery, our, our Believers in Recovery meeting, we get honest about what's going on and so we can encourage each other hebrews 13, 3, 13 says encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness so one of my solutions to my old nature is i talk about it in a, in a setting where i know the people will not look at me like oh my gosh instead they'll yeah we've been there we'll encourage you and so we need to be encouraging. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. I mean, the church really should be one of the most encouraging places on the planet to be. And that's what we strive for. We want to be that way. We are very blessed to have Mike with us. I don't know if many of you know this. We pick on each other all the time. He is known as Coach Nix. How many of you know him as Coach Nix? Okay. He's not called that just because he's coached a bazillion sports forever at high school. He's called that because by his very nature, he is Coach Nix. It's in his very nature to encourage. He, can't help, he cannot help himself. <laughs> you know, he's like Tigger. It's like geez, Mike. Yeah, it's true. It's just, and it's so cool. But here's the thing. God has called each and every one of us to be coaches to one another because that's what coaches do. Coaches encourage one another. But understand what this means. Most coaching, 99.9% of all coaching is giving positive affirmation. And we have some coaches. So you're going, way to go. Good job. Keep it up. You can do it. You know, hey, you get a great There's so much of coaching is just, keeping players motivated, and positive motivation, and affirmation, okay, so there's that, but sometimes a coach has to address something wrong, okay, and, uh, you know, when I was in school and going through sports, this is what it looked like, when I did something wrong, and a coach talked to me, Marshall, what do you mean you missed practice, because of a stupid student council meeting, if you want to be on this team, this team has to be the most important thing in the universe, do you understand it, Marshall, Am I right, guys? You're just, okay. And, and, you know, Marshall, we've been over this a million times. Keep your eye on the stinking ball. Yeah. Okay. Marshall, just go run laps. Just go run laps and don't even talk to me until I tell you to stop. Okay, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get away with that at church? (laughs) get down and give me 20 minutes of prayer all right you know jonathan give me 10 chapters of leviticus i don't know it's like it's whatever i wish we could because i got to tell you if we could do that you guys and the whole church we'd be better more victorious christians but, you know, we have to tiptoe so much because I might leave if we get our feelings hurting. But I'm just saying, encouragement is sometimes someone in your face saying, hey, man, you know, step it up a little bit. There's an issue here. You're not being honest. You need to deal with it. I love your brother. I think there's a problem that says, B- uh, uh, blessed are the kisses of a, no, deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Okay, but blessed are the wounds of a friend. Yeah, that's what it is. Wounds of a friend. And that's what we want, and that's New Testament, okay? Um, Hebrews ten twenty four says, "Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds." You all know what a spur is, right? Okay, spur. In fact, this, liter- this n- word literally means to provoke one another. Provoke one another, and so we want to provoke one another to experience God and reflect Christ, okay? And that's you know, be encouraging. Let's go on. In Galatians 5.13, You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, rather serve one another in love. To have an Acts 2 fellowship, we need to be helpful to one another. This is about serving and helping one another. It means doing helpful deeds and acts of service for others. I mean, Jesus actually got down and washed his disciples' feet to demonstrate this for us. And he says, as I have done to you, so you should do for others. That's Jesus. This is where giving money comes in. In Acts chapter 2 here, this is what it says. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Wow. That's pretty serious. And you know, it also means being helpful with our words. In Ephesians 4.29 it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. How many of you have had someone say something to you that was not helpful? Can you th- yeah it's like yeah I've had people say that wasn't helpful. How many of you have said something to someone else that was not helpful? Oh pastor, but it was helpful. They needed to hear that. <laughs> and I you know and I go did they really need To hear it, or do you just really need to say it? (laughs) Because you gotta see, a lot of the things coming out of our mouth are not because they need to hear it, because we need to say it. Until we grow up and have the maturity to differentiate between the two, we're gonna be harming people with our words. But when we can understand the difference between what I need to say and what they really need to say, I can begin to start saying things that really is helpful to them. And I gotta guarantee you, we will all say less. Think about that one. Okay? We've got to be helpful. And in attempting to be helpful, it's also essential to be helpful with a positive and cheerful attitude. Peter says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, hospitality is all about inviting people into our homes or making them feel comfortable and welcome. But he says, I like that, he says we need to do this without grumbling. You know? And how many of you ever grumbled under your breath? or in your mind when you've had to help somebody. It's like, geez, you know, it's kind of tough. And we grumble. As a church, we try to make this event and place hospitable for people who come in from the outside, newcomers. And so we're always doing little things on the stage and decorations and temperature and You know, music and everything. We're trying to be hospitable. But I got to tell you, every time we try to do something to make those people out there feel welcome, there's always a little bit of grumbling in the church. (laughs) Because it's about us and not about them. And so when we help others, God wants us to do it cheerfully and happily. And it's for Jesus. And the church doesn't need to be exactly for me to make me happy. I'm happy when someone comes in and experiences God. That's what I'm about. That's what I want to see. And so be helpful. This leads... um, By the way, when I grumble, it's a good time for me to do a little inventory, check my own attitude of what's really important. So just keep that in mind. And this leads to another aspect of fellowship I'm very passionate about. Philippians 2 says if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ any comfort from his love if any fellowship with the spirit if any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love and being one in spirit and purpose now there's a whole lot there in that passage we could do sermon series on that but the main idea is that to be an Acts two church we need to be united. We need to have unity. We need to be one. Because if we're one in Christ, we're supposed to be one with each other. It's that simple. 1 Corinthians uh, 1.10 says, Paul says to the Corinthians, I appeal to you brothers in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree with one another so there may be no divisions among you so that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. You see, God has called us to work together as a team. This is not a one-man show. We need every single one of you here. All of us need to work together to be the church of Christ so that we can experience God together and reflect Christ not just as individuals, but as the body of Christ. That requires unity and teamwork and oneness, and we've got to grow up a little bit to do that. We need to work together. Romans 12:16 says, "Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And first Peter, finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Sympathetic, love brothers, be compassionate and humble. That's, that's you get the picture? OK? And this actually leads to another characteristic. Our unity is very connected to this thing called humility. To have an Acts 2 fellowship, we need to be humble. Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with, one, bearing with one another in love. In Philippians, this is one of my favorite passages. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And that's hard because I tend to, I, I like what I like. And so to be an Acts 2 Fellowship, we need to be more concerned about other people's interests than our own. We need to put each other above, before ourselves. And that requires humility. I need to be humble. Dang. Okay. And that's just what this calls us to. Um, The humility factor. Finally, the most obvious characteristic of biblical fellowship is love. John thirteen thirty four. Jesus himself says, A new command I give you, Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. You remember the command, Love others as you would like to be loved, or do unto others as you like to, under, you know, the golden rule type of thing. Jesus ups the ante here. I can't love you as I'd like to be loved, or love you as my neighbor. I'm supposed to love you as Jesus loves you. I mean, think about this. Love other people as you love yourself, or do unto others as you, you know. I don't even love myself sometimes. So if I treated you like I treat myself, it wouldn't be very good. But Jesus says, no, nix that. I want you to love others as I love them and as I love you. And that takes it to a whole new level. And I need his help to do that. But these New Testament Acts 2 Christians had that kind of, it's a supernatural kind of love. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the command. And it also goes on. He says in John 13, 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is cool because it's not just about loving to experience God ourselves. It's about loving one another to reflect Christ to those outside the fellowship. So on the friendship path, on this fellowship thing, I'm not just called to be friends with you guys and you with me. We need to be open to friendship with people who don't know Jesus yet. And I'm not talking about being friends with the world and compromising. I'm talking about building redemptive relationships with people who don't know Jesus yet. And we always need to be open to that. Because when we love each other and love others that way, people are going to see Jesus. That's just how it is. And so we get on the friend's path. We not only experience God, we reflect Christ to the world. We want to invite the people out there to be friends with Jesus like we are in here, right? Okay? I was listening to a Christian band yesterday, and they were singing, uh, singing about how Jesus left the 99 sheep to go after the one lost sheep. Okay, I think it's in Luke 17. You can read about that. And I was th- it just hit me. I got to thinking about the 99. What are the 99 doing while Jesus, is, or the shepherd, is out looking for the lost one? It just... Struck me as odd. So what are the 99 doing? The shepherds out there looking for lost sheep. And what are the 99 doing? Are we playing checkers? I mean, are we just having good worship? I mean, what what are we doing while our master is looking for the lost? And it just hit me. Wouldn't it be cool if all the 99 sheep went to Jesus and says, Lord, can we come help you look? I just, wouldn't that be something? Yeah, it would. And I, think, that's what, I would think that would make Jesus happy. I mean, it's one thing for Jesus to look, but let's all be looking. We are all God's instruments to reach the lost. This friendship path is not just for us. It's for everybody. And that's what friends would do. To become an Acts 2 church, we need to become Acts 2 Christians. And that brings us back to the trail. To be Acts 2 Christians, we need to get on the trail, especially on the friends path. And that's why we're pushing this. And we're going to push it at you for the next two weeks. Then we'll move on. But we're never going to let you forget this. So get used to it. But I'm excited because God is in this. And many of you are on the trail. And we are already seeing God work. Amen. And after church, we're going to have a potluck. What a great opportunity to practice fellowship. Amen. Amen. Let's all be standing for a closing word of prayer. Father in heaven, you're awesome. I just thank you that... You're so much bigger than us, and you're doing something in us that's bigger than us. But we need to cooperate. So, Father, help us to listen to your voice. Go where you lead. Take risks where you want us to take risks. Trust you and uh, experience you and reflect you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.